Hello, Chelsea friends. We hope you are having a wonderful Thursday. If you are, that is fantastic. If you are not, if something's going awry in your professional life or your personal life, here's what we want you to do. We want you to hang out with us for an hour. All right, we're going to have a couple laughs. We're going to shoot the shit. We're going to have fun talking about this impossibly intriguing Chelsea team. All right, now I have gone on record saying that I think Chelsea Football Club is the most interesting sports club in the world. That includes all sports, all athletics. Why? Because the content of this team, it produces itself each week. Okay, it makes talking about it seamless and interesting and easy, despite the fact that the subject matter that surrounds this club is often complicated. That is okay. Case in point being the absurd amount of infractions that we absolutely committed. I find that to be a little complicated. But since I am addicted to complicated and interesting when it comes to my sports, I am the right host for this marching band to nowhere. My name is Ryan Beck. This is the London is Calling podcast. Welcome to the show. I am joined first and foremost by my man, my right-hand man, my co-host, one of my best friends, Paul Hogan. Paul, how are we doing tonight? We're doing very well, Carlito. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we have a very special guest. She is the darling of Chelsea Twitter. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen her edits, which uh. are wildly entertaining on oh, yeah. Twitter, <laughs> on the IG, the whole deal. This is Kristen. Hello. Uh, hey, welcome. Welcome <laughs> to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. That was quite the introduction. I'm uh, I talk for a living, so don't get too excited. I bullshit most of my life. <laughs> oh, so that was all bullshit. I'm not uh, <laughs> Wow. Paul, she, Paul, she's calling me out in the first three minutes. Right. I love her already. This is going to be good. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Uh. So, look, before we even get started, this is something, Paul, that you and I have been debating with Spanish League fans and friends of ours, like, you know, Luis and all those guys, for a very long time. Okay. Kepa Riza Balaga, he, I believe, was not Catalonian bred. But you know, any player that plays for Atletico Balboa, you have to be of a certain pedigree and, I guess, birth, right, to play for that team or to be scouted by that team. So he's Spanish through and through, right? Mm -hmm. Totally ingrained in that country, in that culture. So he knows La Liga front to back. And he was interviewed the other day, and he said, what is the difference between La Liga and the Premier League? And he had a couple of things to say. But the most poignant and the most appreciated things he had to say were this. Number one. Every player is less protected by the referees. Now, we all know that, excuse me, but to hear it from a player that has played a prominent role in both leagues is refreshing. We yeah. know that you have to be stronger both mentally and physically. The second thing you said was the pace is significantly faster. It's much more intense. It's much more physical. And at any second and any time, you could be on the ball thinking you have time, space, what have you, options. And then the next second, you simply don't. And you could be closed down. You could be made a fool of very easily, very quickly, and very often. And the last thing he said, and this is what I found to be uh, most appreciated. He said the spirit of the stadiums, the mm. spirit of the supporters, and the overall atmosphere is overwhelming <laughs> in the best possible way. So him saying that not only makes us right, that – La, Liga, or La Liga is nowhere close to the English Premier League. But it also makes us know that what we're watching is the best league in the world. It's, in, oh, for it's sure. undisputed. It's indisputable. Okay? Yeah, yes. So that's – I really wanted to start off the podcast with that and our boy Reese James. Reese James 2025, congratulations to him. Congratulations to Marina who looked wonderful. And uh, <laughs> okay, Paul. Five years for Reese. Oh, my boy. So good. All righty. Should we get into it, Paul? Let's do it. Make sure the first question is for Kristen because I've already no. talked way too much. Yeah, you're done for the show. <laughs> All right. So no. we got 
some player news heading into this game. Mm-hmm. Ruben lost his cheek, predictably out. Our boy, Christian Pulisic. <sighs> yeah. Christian's boy. Yeah. Out with the abductor. Mm-hmm. What's the deal with that one, Christian? Do you know anything about that one? No, I I don't really know a whole lot. I think I saw he had some interview with ESPN, and <clears throat> apparently he gave that generic you know, I'm taking it day by day answer. So yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really know what that means. I don't know if that's a positive sign or a negative sign or him just kind of, you know, shooting the shit with the media. Cause they're just annoying to him, but I don't know. He's, I think he'll be back soon. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I hope so, but yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you, how did you, how do you interpret that? Uh, oof. This is a tough one because I'm always skeptical anytime an American player goes to a foreign country to participate in anything sporting related. <laughs> I, I, well, no, because here's the thing. If this was Callum Hudson-Doy getting the same injury, would it take Callum as much time to get back into the team as now it's going to uh... take Chris, Christian Pulisic? Because Frank Lampard is still a London dude. And you cannot ever erase that inherent bias that's ingrained in his psyche. You just can't. <laughs> so I think I'm, it's gonna, I'm not convinced. You, uh, I'll hold, no, yeah, but this is conspiracy. You, drag, you brought me onto this. Co- yeah, I see now why you brought me onto this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, I think that Pulisic. It's going to take him a while to get back on the team because Joe's in form. William is Frankie's boy, and <laughs> I don't know. I'm worried. I am worried because I love Pulisic. He's one of my favorite athletes in all of sports. I just think that he may not get a fair shake. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Well, the only good thing, though, is we don't have very many wingers. You know, yeah. we really have options, right? So yeah. that's that's at least that he has that in his favor. Yeah. Yeah. And I, he said he's working to be back in the next week to the next couple of weeks. So I don't right. – can't be more than – Two weeks, I'd imagine, which is good because as well as Callum Hudson-Odoi has played these past couple games, we're going to need everybody we can and all right. the goals we can. So, I mean, I agree. to be fair, I slated him so badly I thought he was going to quit, and that was two weeks ago. So, I don't know. With him, it's a roller coaster, but with this club, it's a roller coaster. So, who knows? You slated Christian or Callum no, Hudson? I would never slate Pulisic. I slated <laughs> Callum Hudson. Yeah. Right, right. No, I hold him to a high standard. He, you know, he he talks the talk. He needs to prove it to me that he's got what it takes to, exactly. you know, be. I, I think he's an excellent athlete and everything. I just i I hold him to high standards, and mm-hmm. he's he he's he's doing well. He's proving himself to me, but. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not on the hype train quite yet. Well, let's stay on this for just a second because my whole beef with him was the Bayern Munich flirtation. Um, right. So, him doing that, it's in my opinion a little dishonorable. And so, to me, he's going to have to prove a little bit more than just starter quality to get back in my good graces. Even though, it, uh, you know, publicly I have forgiven him, it doesn't mean that I haven't that I've forgotten. Because I have. Right, right. <laughs> he almost cheated right. on us, man. Come right, on. right. It's Not normal. to mention, he used the whole distraction, that whole situation, to get himself a nice, big, fat contract. Yeah. And now he right. has to play up to that contract. Not that it's, you know, it's not – all these guys come on a big price tag for a transfer, right? So there's some sort of pressure there, whatever that is. He's homegrown. He is Chelsea through and through. Mm-hmm. We gave him right. that contract. He has to live up to that contract. He wants that contract. He's got to play for that contract. Well, so right. that's it. I just, I also just didn't appreciate the timing of his leverage because this was when everybody, you know, from the groundskeeper up to Roman Abramovich knew that Eden Hazard was, was leaving the club and he became opportunist at an inopportune time for the club, and I just I thought that that was a little shady and a little wrong. So, right, all right, all right, moving okay. on. All right, that's my diatribe right there. Okay, okay. And go look Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've practiced it many times. <laughs> all right, you can so, tell. Yeah, Angola, yeah. Angola Conte <laughs> coming back. Yeah. Are you sure? Come, yeah. 
Well, mm. he's going to be fit. Marcos Alonso also expected to be fit. Mm-hmm. Both of these players, not Carlito's favorite. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I don't know if either of them will start. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Go for I, it, Christian. I think that Conte should just sit this out. I, I mean, if he's still on the fence, I, I don't – I would rather save him for the harder games coming up and, you know, keep keep him on the bench. Why risk it? My yeah. Opinion. What are your thoughts on Alonzo? Did... Ow. You know, he's, <laughs> he's one of those that I'm kind of – I either love him or I hate him. <laughs> and usually it's I hate him. <laughs> I, he, he, I don't feel like he's utilized – it to his greatest capacity and unless he's the wing back and you know that's I, I don't really think that's what we we play him at as most at the most and so I just I don't know I he's not I, he's not one of my favorites I should say and yeah but he I mean he comes in clutch at certain times and so I can't slate him completely you know but no well said I think you're right <laughs> on the money with that one yeah Paul, I don't, but just, he's so he's he's not. What is he? When when was what is his injury? I, I missed that part. Uh, he had a really bad. A he had a really side. bad haircut actually, and he didn't want to come outside. <laughs> Marcos always got the hair. He's got on, great man. hair. I'm trying right now. He's a good looking you know. dude. For oh sure. hell yes! Oh hell yes! He's, he go. could be a, a model, like if he doesn't make it in the football business. So yeah. he got that going for him. But. Absolutely, I'm still partial to my boy Amberson though. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I mean Alonzo is he? He's fit, right? Emerson, he's good to go. I don't think I don't think Frankie likes him. We love Emerson. We think he's got a really high upside. Very pacey, very creative. You could see that Brazilian flair. I know they say he's Italian on paper. He's from Brazil, Um, (laughs) and he's he's a good defender. He's much more capable at left back than Alonzo is, but. I think there's something going on in training. I don't think he trains hard. I think he's got a little more Eden Hazard in him than Cesar Espelacueta training sessions. And I don't think Frankie hmm. likes that at all. So. Oh, interesting. It'll be interesting just... to see because his, his contract's coming up as well. Yes, yeah. and he wants to stay. Paulinho, what do you I got on those two? Think... Oh, go ahead, Kristen, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, I definitely think we need reinforcements in that left-back position, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I would say Emerson could be, like, a good backup, but I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Not... I'm good with that. I mean, as long as he's on the team, because at any moment, he could step in and be super capable, so. Yeah, yeah. For sure. We, yeah, just, maybe we don't he... have a – sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, you know, maybe his, his recent form has been somewhat – influenced by his injuries and stuff. And so I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. He hasn't been up to par to where I've seen him be. And that's somewhat concerning, but I'll, like I said, I'll give him benefit of the doubt. But it's just, you know, he's coming back. So cool. he's a good player. Yeah. Yeah, he is. All right, Paul, what's yeah. next? All right. So let's get into our lineup for this one a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are expecting Kepa and Net. Mm-hmm. Outside backs, uh, I think Carlito believes it'll be Reese and Emerson. Reese mm. will definitely be on the field after his extension. I I would expect him to be out there. And yeah. we're due for some Emerson time. He's been out the last few games. Um, but Frankie loves Aspilicueta, and he's been doing the job at left back, so I think he'll probably start at left back. Mm-hmm. Um, Andres Christensen mm. and Antonio Rudiger, center backs. Yeah. What do you think about that back four, Kristen? I like that back four. I like the Christensen Rudiger combination, and I like the Aspoqueta and, and Reese James combination. I like it. Mm-hmm. That's probably our most solid formation, I would think, right now. Yeah, totally. Defense. So we've always. Well, at least since August, obviously, we've had this issue with center back pairings. Rudiger being out for 
six months did not help our evaluation, but <laughs> nevertheless, we haven't gotten it right until I believe as recently as the last game. I think that Rudy and Andreas Christensen are the right pairing that we need to stick with moving forward. But I'm curious as to what you think about Tamore, who I think has been a revelation, and Zuma, who I think is terrible. What do you think? I, I'd have to agree. <laughs> I, love I love Tamori. I do. I think he's awesome. I think yes. he's going to be really good. He yeah. just needs the experience, you know, and the, it just, he needs to grow in the league a little bit. But I love him. I think yeah. he's – I feel better with him on the field. But Zuma has – Zuma's been – he he he's just not the most intelligent player to me. I just I watch him get the ball and he just you just see that moment of panic like he doesn't know what to do with it and then he passes it to Keppa and I'm just like yeah. pick it, pick your head up, compose yourself and play it. He just he he's like incapable of breaking the lines really and to me I just Oh yes. <laughs> I just I I want more from a center back than what he has to offer. Thank you. That is exactly it. That is exactly it. <laughs> Yeah. Kristen, you are now welcome anytime because that is exactly what, what Paul and I have been saying about Zuma since day one. We yeah. think he's on oh, yeah. the take, man. We think he's got money on the other team. He plays so poorly with the ball at his feet. It is. Um, it's really. It's 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 hilarious to watch him. Actually, it's just like he he. It's like a deer in headlights. He's like, uh, you know, he doesn't. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like a deer walking on ice with no ankles. It's just crazy. No, that <laughs> what a deer. But we can agree it's a deer. He has, to be fair, he has had some really good games for us. Yeah, and he, he is, has, for sure. Uh, he is an absolute force physically, but mm-hmm. but for this team and the style we're trying to play, he just doesn't right. fit. Well, right, you just. Right. You want the conglomeration of working hard and working smart, and he's missing 50% of that idiom. So I'm sorry. Right, right. It doesn't fly with me. You got to be smart to play on this team. That's true. That's very true. I couldn't agree more. Cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's go to the midfield. Uh, Jorginho, Kovacic, and then we have, I think, Conte. Yeah. Bex. All right. Oh, yeah. I think it'll probably be Mason Mount. Mm. We also have Boss Barkley as an <laughs> option in there. <laughs> uh, Barkley. Yeah. He's a unique one. Yeah. All right, Paul. He's so- not one of my favorites either. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. he, he's sort of like the midfield Zuma in a way. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's not, I don't know. He just, he's, his level of intelligence might, I don't know. I, I question his intelligence yeah. every time he's on the field. And then he had, but he had this really great game. And so everybody's kind of giving him a, a second glance and, but, but that's Barkley. That I cannot tell you how yep. much that happens. And then he yep. just goes back to being Barkley and it's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's more like a blunt object than a sharp knife, you know. I mean, he's just going to try and hammer it in. And this, I mean, us having the three in the midfield really just goes to what I've wanted to say for a very long time. And this is something that I believed in, you know, the, the 12 years that I coached and then also as a player. I think the three four three is something we should not revisit. I think it's a gimmicky formation. You have to have three midfielders. And in my opinion, I I tell my players this all the time. If you win the midfield, you win the game. But in order to win the midfield, you need to win the math. So if you have two and they have three, you've already lost the math. And you will not have the majority of the possession. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Paul Pogba, N'Golo Conte, Luka Modric. If you're playing two against three, you will be overwhelmed. And then all that extra running that you're doing defensively, it'll affect your game when you have the ball. Okay, so yeah. that's really what I want to say. And with this midfield, Jorginho, Conte, Kovacic, I think it's the best triangle in the world. I had a uh, Liverpool friend of mine and Paul's, a uh, very good friend that we've known for a uh, decade and a half. He tried to convince me that his midfield is better than ours. I kindly shut him down <laughs> because I, I totally believe in those three. Mateo Kovacic is my favorite player in all of Europe. So let's get it with that. 
Leave leave Mason Lampard on the bench. We don't need him for this game. All right, leave him for a cup game. We we can give him a cup game. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, the the three four three. It's nice to have in the back pocket, but it's not something you're going to pull out against Newcastle. That's for damn sure. Right. Right. All right. Let's get to the front three. Mm -hmm. Tammy Abraham, no question there. Lillian, no question there. Callum Hudson-Odoi, also no question there. Right. Pretty simple. Yeah. Those three, really the only options we have besides – starting Mason Mount on the wing or Pedro getting one last look in. I will turn the fucking TV off if Pedro starts in the game. I swear <laughs> to God. Don't do not do this to me, Francis Lampard Jr. Don't you dare do this to me. Oh, my God. What about what about against Hull, though? Were you, is, that, is that acceptable for him to start against Hull? That's a non-league game, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, that's <laughs> what we drew for FA, right? Sure, yeah, sure. Let him play all eleven positions. I don't give a shit. It, it cannot be in the Premier League. <laughs> I, we cannot drop any more points. Man United is yeah. right on our ass. Agreed. Yep. I got a I got a Willian stat for you. Yes. How good he's been this season. Mm-hmm. So he's initiated four sequences leading to goals. Uh in the Premier League this season after winning possession back from opposition. That's more than any other player in the league. Wow. Speaking no to way. yeah, speaking to his work his work defensively. That's where he's becoming a leader, taking some responsibility. Love yeah. It. Yeah. Good for him. Well, you know, uh, Kristen, I want to throw this by you. I think one of the reasons why Willian is doing so well and also working so hard for the shirt for the club is because is, uh, is because I think Frankie and Willian see themselves as peers and not yeah. coach and player and there's a mutual respect there that Willian has not shown previous managers so um. I feel as though Willian is like oh no Lampard's my peer we played a season together He's my friend. I will fight for my friend. That's how I feel like when it comes to this relationship dynamic, that's the way that's what's going on. What do you think about that? That's that's actually a really interesting theory. I thought you were going to go with, he was finally freed from the shadow of Hazard. (laughs) (laughs) But, Uh, but though, but that's interesting. I could see that. I could see that at that. Yeah. That's interesting. I like, um, also, in conjunction, he's getting the armband, the captain band, mm-hmm. when um, when Quinta is not on the field, and sometimes when Jorginho's not on the field as well. Yeah. Um, and he's just taking the responsibility of being a captain and becoming more of a leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Which we need because oh, we good. don't have a lot of senior players on the field, you know, and yep. we need that. Exactly. Sadly, yeah. All right, Paul, what do you got on Newcastle? You are the stat man. All right, so let's get into <laughs> Newcastle's boss, Steve Bruce. Mm-hmm. Legend. The Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so they defeated Rochdale in their FA Cup replay during the week. Cool. So they are into the fourth round, which that will give them – you know, some uh, confidence heading into the game. Last time we played them, we won one nothing. Now, that was not at St. James, where this match will be played. But the last times we have played, the last six times we've played at St. James Park, we have only secured four points. Mm-hmm. One win, one draw, and four losses. One of those, one of those losses got Mourinho fired. I know it eventually was the Leicester game, but it was it was that Newcastle yeah. loss. Yep. Now, let's see. Newcastle sit thirteenth place, five points clear of relegation. Yeah. This is a team that's had a ton of injuries. 
Um, and they've been playing terribly because of it. They've had one win in their last five. They beat Palace. They lost to United, Everton, Leicester, and drew with Wolves last time out, which that's a good result. Mm-hmm. But they're getting a ton of players back healthy for this game. Uh, Dwight Gale, Fabian Schar, Jetro Williams, Muto, Yedlin. Hey! <laughs> Uh, I, thought, key. I thought Yedlin was still a doubt. He's he is coming back. Well, they're all they're all they're all possibles. in contention. Yeah, to come back. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, let me be tangential for a second here. Is he ever going to get a sniff at the men's national team again? Who Yedlin? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, in the manager is a little bit incompetent. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, shots fired. That's another podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could write, I could write a book on that. And by the way, so could fucking Klinsman. Did you see him on ESPN FC? Oh, that was some stuff. That was some stuff right there. Unbelievable. Whoa, I missed it. Yeah, you, you. I don't want to spoil it for you. Go and watch. It's very. Who is he coaching? He just got a job, right? Who is he coaching now? Oh God, Paul. Who is he coaching? He's in the Bundesliga, or he did just get a job. Um, I can't remember. We'll, we'll work on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Bruce, what are his stats again? Yeah, Steve Bruce against Chelsea hasn't been great. So, he's won just one of his 22 Premier League games against Chelsea. Yeah. And he hasn't won any games that are home games against Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So... He's going to be shaking in his boots a little bit. You'd have to imagine. He's not confident heading into this one. So Klinsman is, yeah, you're right. It was a German team. It's Hertha. Oh, that's right. Hertha. Yep. There you go. Okay. So let's get into some score predictions here. As the guest, Kristen, what do you have for a score prediction? Oh, I'm going to go with 2-1. I, I just don't have faith in us keeping the clean sheet. But I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm going to say we're going to get three points. Mm-hmm. So 2-1 sounds, sounds good to me. Cool. Paul? <laughs> Prediction. Paul, what do yeah. you have? I'm going with a 3-0. Nice. 3-0. 3-0. All right. We're, we're keeping the clean sheet. Andres and Rudiger, that partnership's just going to blossom. I'm going Callum Hudson Adoy with one, Tammy with one, and Willian with one. Wow. All right. Well, I'm going to continue with my trend of absurd optimism and keep saying this score prediction until I actually get it right. 5 1 Blues. Let's go. Whoa. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we, we got some demons we got to exercise, and Frankie's the boy to do it. All right. Who's scoring five goals? <laughs> Three from Tammy, one from Kovacic, Tammy. and one from Reese James. The boy right. Reese. Right. Yeah. I like that. Hell yeah, so do I. All right, Paul, what other games do we have to mention? Yeah, so this weekend we have Man City playing Palace. Cool. That'll be an interesting that... one. Yeah, that will be. Burnley Leicester. Mm-hmm. Burnley coming, or sorry, Leicester coming off of their loss mm-hmm. against Southampton. Yeah. Liverpool and United at yeah. Anfield. And Rashford is out, right? Huh? He's hurt. Oh. Isn't Rashford out? If he is, that's. I know a he got. I, I know he got. He went off injured in the cup game. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I have. I haven't heard if he's good to play or not. That because that would be. That would be rough on them if he wasn't fit. I think you're right. I think he's out. Uh, well, See, but United, I, I have this feeling that United could be the team to beat them. As much as it sounds crazy, yes. it, they every time Liverpool and United meet up, Liverpool just they just like back off. They're like they're scared of them or something. It's crazy. It, it must be their history and their rivalry. But I just have this feeling that. This could be, this could be the one. And of course, it it would make sense because they're probably on the brink of firing Ole. But this will revive him again. But I don't know. I just that's just my gut feeling. Could be wrong, but I don't know. 
make things interesting. All right. So one of our best friends, he has a podcast, uh, you know, the Premier League Review. Paul is actually one of the co-hosts of it. I will be on this podcast on Sunday. They are Liverpool fans, and they are not just Liverpool fans. They are the Yankee fan version of Liverpool fans. Insufferable <laughs> like you read about. If, you never walk alone on everything. Oh, my God. They've walked alone since the Cold War. They have not won <laughs> a Premier League trophy since the Berlin Wall is up, man. Come no. on. So if, if Liverpool yeah. loses, I will burn that podcast to the ground. You mark my word. That would be fun. Oh, my God. You have no idea. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's uh, that's where we're at. Amazing games. You know, this is supposed to be a top four mention games, you know, maybe even a top six. So we don't have to talk about Tottenham or Arsenal because they are absolutely irrelevant. Right. Yep. <laughs> they are right now. Yeah. It's true. But I will say, if, if uh, United don't have Rashford – that's yeah. a real tough one. So I think I it's know. a game time decision. Yeah, that's what he's not completely out of it yet, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Oh yeah. Now, he's... what do you guys think of, of Lester? Do you think Lester going to pull out top four, or do you think they're going to go, go down? Go ahead, Paul. I think they're going to just because somebody's got to get hot to and make up some points to catch them. And at this point, I don't really see anybody doing that. So I think they'll they'll hold on to fourth, mm. which is deservedly so. I think yeah. that they are hanging on by a thread. I think that they're pretenders. They started off extremely well. I will not take that away from them. Jamie Vardy is still right now my player of the season. I love Jamie Vardy. He looks like cigarettes and diet beer. He's great. <laughs> love him. Uh, and and – uh, that being said, I don't think that they're very deep. I, in fact, think it's a pretty thin team. Uh, and they're relying on a guy that's approaching his mid-30s. So I think that they're going to cool off. I think the top four will end up being Liverpool 1, Man City 2, Chelsea 3, and Manchester United 4. Manchester United and Chelsea are the teams that are going to get hot. Leicester is going to keep getting injured, and they're going to continue to cool off. In my opinion, I could be completely full of shit. Who knows? I have to share right. the exact same opinion. And especially if they keep – they're still in Carabao Cup and FA Cup, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's two mm-hmm. more competitions that they'll have to deal with. And I, I, I agree. I don't think they have the depth to hold on to it. I don't. But we could be wrong. Well, and so I, think Brendan, I think Brendan Rodgers will be hunting for a trophy. And since the two big ones are out of the question, you got the League Cup and you got the FA Cup that are still going to be a priority for him. Right, right. Yep. Fair points. Cool. Yep. All right, Carlito, bring us into Chelsea's transfer plan. Okay. Oh, no. Ryan test first. All right. All right. We got so, the right test. Kristen, Go ahead. My name is Ryan Carl Beck, but I hung out with a lot of Hispanics in my 20s, so they gave me the name <laughs> Carlito because that's my middle name. But my name is Ryan, um, and like the thing called the eye test in sports, I have my own version of it. It's called the Rye Test. Okay? So I pick a player or a formation or a coach every game, and I say, this is the person that needs to step up in spectacular fashion, and I expect them to. My player today for the Newcastle game is going to be Antonio Rudiger. I need for him to operate within the system that is being given to him, the 4-3-3, and I need him to continue to develop, develop, develop that chemistry with Andreas Christensen. Andreas Christensen is not someone that is going to need to be told what to do. He's a very cerebral player. His positioning is often perfect. And Mm -hmm. the other people that Rudiger's had to play with, he has had to worry about the game and his partner's positioning with Andreas. He doesn't have to do that. And last few games have shown that. So I want that chemistry to continue to develop. And I want Rudiger to trust Andreas and I also want him to worry about himself because those aerial balls that he keeps fucking up and sometimes his lapses in judgment, those things need to be minimalized. He needs to be my player of the game. That's my right test. Let's see if he's up for it. I think he is. Sounds good. I like it. He's going to be uh, – there's likely going to be some Andy Carroll action. Oh, yeah. So 
be a proper test for him. If if we foul yeah. in the defensive third, I will not be able to sit back down because I'll just be sweating. I'll be walking around my condo, <laughs> swearing up a storm. Just oh man, do not give up any defensive third fouls, please, please. please. Right, those set plays are <laughs> not Gosh. great. Might as well just give him penalties because it's just awful. <laughs> Horrible. It's so true. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go into transfer plans. I know, Kristen, that this is something that you wanted to talk about. This is something we love to talk about. It's always intriguing. Now, before we get started, every Chelsea fan knew that the hammer was going to come down as early as last January. We didn't know how severe it was going to be in terms of a transfer ban. We also didn't know how many infractions we were guilty of. Um, Now, they ended up only having to be proving a third of them, which I'm surprised we haven't sued FIFA for malpractice and for defamation of character, but that's another story. We ended up serving uh, half a year, right? So an entire window. Every Chelsea fan has been saying, all right, we've got this war chest. Frankie's got 150, 200, 300 million dollars. We're going to spend, spend, spend. And everybody's got blood on their lips. Everybody wants us to buy a big name player. But the two big name players that we want, Timo Werner, Jaden Sancho, those clubs are still in UCL. Those clubs are all both having very good uh, seasons in their respective leagues. They're not going to sell them to us right now. They will in the summer. It's not going to happen right now. And then with the recent performances of Christensen, even Barkley, obviously William, and then Tariq Lamptey, uh, Lamps, my man, uh, they have uh, maybe forced Frankie, Marina, Chelsea's board to second-guess the aggression that they wanted to have in this January transfer window. And maybe they're looking to be less hasty. Maybe they're saying, hmm, we got Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming back. Maybe let's not spend money for money's sake and, you know, buy players like Danny Drinkwater or Zeppa Costa or even Alvaro Morata. But instead, maybe wait, show a little restraint, a little poise, and wait for the big fish, Sancho and Werner, who will be ours if we want them to be in the summer because we have more money at our disposal than anybody else. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I was not liking the, you know – I'm not a Zaha person. I was not in favor of that transfer. And that would have been, you know, people are saying, oh, but, you know, he's he's PL proven. He could bang in a few goals, draw a few penalties, whatever. It's just, I just, I, I see the standards of Chelsea being higher than Zaha. I see him being Sancho, Werner, you know. And so I agree. I completely agree. I think we wait. We, you know, bucker down, try, try to get everyone, give, you know, see what we can do hopefully Pulisic and everybody gets bangs and some more goals but uh, yeah I agree I think Mm. we should not settle for dross I think we should go for gold in the summer (laughs) yeah I mean if oh go ahead I was done no 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 you're not done go right ahead say finish your thought (laughs) (laughs) no I was just gonna say I I I do wish we would have gone for some defenders this window if that was possible Mm. but maybe you know or a midfield reinforcement but I agree that waiting for those two for the summer is a good is a good call. Hmm. Yeah, it's about getting the right players, and yeah. I like that we're being patient to do that. So we'll see. It was a hot Zaha take there, Kristen. He was my only target. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. I just I can't. I can't. I'm just not a Zaha person. I've gotten to some heated arguments over it, and I just I don't know. He just. He I just, get I get what you mean that that he you don't see him being Chelsea uh, material. He's got the talent. I there's just something about his attitude that and mentality that just irks yeah, that's me. That's fair. So I don't know. I could be wrong, obviously, but. I mean, I understand for being irrationally uh, spiteful of a player for no other reason than you just don't like him. I don't like Sergio Busquets. <laughs> I don't like Busquets because I don't like his face. It's as simple as that. 
Hey, we're all irrational. It's okay. Oh my god. Okay, no, then you okay, sell Zaha to me right now. Sell him to me. Okay, we go. we need a winger. Okay. There you go. Pedro. No, that's not a winger. That's half a winger. No, no, no. Okay, I'll sell him to Pedro. you. I'll, I will sell him to you right now. Here's the deal. When Zaha was first on the scene with Manchester United, okay? It was way too early, and everybody was expecting him to be not only the next Luis Nani, but the next Ronaldo. That's an enormous amount of pressure for a player so young to be thrust in the most popular team in the entire world. Okay? He wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew it, but they put him out there anyway. That is poor man management. Okay? So then he went to Mm -hmm. Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace has perennially been in a fight for their lives at the bottom. What do teams at the bottom play like? Super defensive, super scrappy, not a lot of style, not a lot of room for a player that wants to attack, attack, attack. So he's essentially been on a bunch of shitty defensive Crystal Palace teams. He's never had the players around him that can exploit his talents. He's never had the tactics or the formation or the coach to exploit his talents to the fullest extent. If he was on Chelsea with all those guys around him, do you realize how many more opportunities he would get more per game? Do you realize how many how much better he would look on this mm-hmm. team when this team is specifically attacking? But my question is, why hasn't a top six club picked him up? Here's why. Because when he was sold from Manchester United to Crystal Palace – there was a caveat in that cell that said Manchester United will recoup a significant portion of that trade when Crystal Palace eventually sells him. So Crystal Palace has to overprice him, which I believe is around 30%. Don't quote me on that, but it is a significant percentage higher than he's actually worth because Crystal Palace is not getting that entire transfer fee back. They owe United a ton of money. Okay, This is not just Crystal Palace selling a player. They're selling a player that partially still belongs to Manchester United. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I get that. But then my question is, if he's worth it, why wouldn't somebody – you know, these big teams have the money, right? That's I, Why don't they shell out the money for it then? Marino, that's my question. Marino wants Sancho. It's obvious. And I think part of it is that Sancho has probably told a bunch of his friends on Chelsea he is coming. And they've told that to Frank, and Frank's told that to Marina. I think it could just be as simple as that. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you got to think if if so. The report is Palace want eighty for Zaha. You're overpaying. Yeah, you're overpaying. We know that because of the United situation. Eighty for Zaha could get you eighty for you know. Close to Eden Hazard last summer, right? So it's like you can't really compare those two players. Nobody's yeah. going to pay that money. Right. Right. But I will say what I like about Zaha, big, physical, athletic, fast. You know, he's all the things that we're missing in a sense. We have yeah. a lot of quick guys uh, good dribblers, but they're not like powerful like he is. Mm-hmm. So he he brings another dimension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but like I said, I, I there's nothing talent wise that bothers me. It bothers me. It's just he just yeah. reminds me of somebody with a giant chip on his shoulder, and that those kind of players just drive me crazy. So I guess it's just a personal preference, but I don't know. That's okay. That's, fair. that's okay. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Again, Sergio yeah. Sergio Busquets. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so. My next point, and this is great because we're getting into Giroud, Alonzo, Pedro, Aspi, and I'm going to, you know, lean on my own experience with this as well. How does Frankie phase out older players that have had really good – hold on one sec. Kristen, of the, I think the, uh, the movement of your cord, it's, it's making it a little staticky. Oh, it's mine? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I believe so. No worries. No worries. Um, okay, so – and that's you know what, Paul? Please leave that in. We like our flaws. Um, <laughs> so what, yeah, so really what I wanted to ask you was, how does Frankie phase out older players that have had incredible careers? In particular, Giroud and Pedro, 
Pedro has literally won every single trophy there you could possibly win in European football. Okay, but these guys are no longer part of the plan for the future. They're really no longer part of the plan for the present because they can't press. They don't have the stamina. They're too old. They're too slow. And we have better players. Period. So when does it stop becoming about sport and start becoming about business? This is not entirely Frankie's decision. He cannot just say you you need to sell this player. It's Marina. It's Roman. It's the player himself. It's the agent. It's the management team around him. All of those things. Okay. It's different than when I was coaching club. I, you know, I was in charge of who came in and who came out. I didn't answer anybody. It's so much different with a professional situation because you, you know, in any contract negotiation and any exit negotiation, it demands consideration for the contracts, for the incentive, for the willingness of the player to transfer. And especially in Chelsea's case, PR. So how are we going to spin this to make this look good? How is it going to be a, a charitable exit where the player doesn't feel like shit that he's being kicked off the team? Because let's let's be clear, he is being asked to leave. So, I mean, uh, when does this stop becoming sport and how does it not become personal? It's a very difficult balance that I think Frankie is dealing with. And I'm sure it hasn't been easy with Giroud's agent just really chirping in his ear all the time. Yeah. Well, I think... Fortunately, this season, everybody already kind of knows this is a transition season, right? And we're going to be changing things up. The, we had a transfer ban. We have to play young players and everything. So I think it's kind of like a good screen to get rid of the dead – that not the deadwood, but, you know, the older players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's – while it's hard on Frank, I think he's also kind of in a good situation. He's he is also a new man. He's the new manager. It's his first season, so it's he. It's kind of you know, it's not so crazy for him to make big moves like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's, he's got to make his mark. He's got to all the spotlights on him. Who is he going to get rid of? Who is he going to sign? This is all the key things that people want to see him do in his first year as a manager in the Premier League. So I think. In terms of PR, he he kind of has a good. It's, it's kind of good PR for him to make big moves like this and to clear the way for younger, more um, what is the word? More potential, more talent, or younger players with more potential. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and I that I guess that would be my perspective on it. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I I think. You explained that pretty well. He's in a good situation to do it. And not only that, he's going to know how to do it. Being a player himself, being one of the probably the best midfielder the Premier League's ever seen, and transitioning at the end of his career uh, to the MLS eventually. So I think if anybody knows how to do it, it'll be Frank. And we're starting to see it. Giroud's going. Alonzo's rumored. Pedro also rumored. So, And Willian, too, aren't they? I think I just saw that he they only offered him a year extension and he wanted more. So they're thinking he's out, too, right? Once his contract's yeah. up, they're thinking he's gone. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with Willian. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I, like you said, he's in a good situation. You know, this really reminds me of that Brad Pitt movie, Moneyball, where, you know, where he's, yeah, oh, it's, it's in my top five and and I am a, I am a movie snob. So when he sits down and he's talking to David Justice and he's talking to him like a player, right? But he's a general manager and he sits him down. He's like, I've never seen GMs talk to players like that. And Brad Pitt's character, Billy Bean, turns to David Justice and says, You've never seen a GM that was a player, okay? And when Frankie sits these guys down, he's getting, then they're going to say, oh, man, I've never seen a coach talk to a player like that. He's going to say, you've never seen a player as good as I was, motherfucker. So you're going to listen to what I have to say. I'm Frank Lampard. I feel like it's not that extreme, but I do feel like he's got so much clout in that locker room because of the unbelievable amounts of things that he accomplished uh, domestically and abroad that uh, I think Kristen hit it right on the head. I do think he's in a good spot. I was just very curious as to how you guys 
uh, we're interpreting the situation. So, yeah. yep. But have we you guys agree. ever have you guys read that book Soccernomics by chance? No. Anyone? Well, it's what actually it's interesting is they actually talk about um, a lot of the managers who are ex players aren't very good <laughs> successful <laughs> managers though. So, but just I mean, not that I think Frank's not going to be successful. I just that. I just thought of that in my head. Sorry, because actually Billy Bean was in that book too. Because did you know he worked with Tottenham? Billy no. Bean. No, I didn't. Yeah, they hired him to like come in and and do some like statistics stuff and kind of. Wow. Yeah, oh, as a consultant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I do know that. I just remembered that. No, that I thought you meant uh, work as a permanent employee. Oh no 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 no. Gotcha. Yeah, no, just. Yeah, sorry, I just it all kind of went in my head that whole connection there. Can so, I ask anyway. you what Soccernomics <laughs> said was the rationale behind uh, great players not becoming great co- coaches and why that didn't translate? I think it was just they read the game differently. Sometimes um, they want to they'll read the game as a player rather than as a manager. And sometimes there was there's several reasons. I just remember that was one of them. Um, I think it was, gosh, I should have, I'm, I'm blanking on it. It was, but that was a big one that they just, sometimes they, they come in and, and in certain points they'll react as a player should react. Whereas you need somebody who can step outside and see it from a manager perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, yeah. it's possible. It's just some, it's just historically been more yeah. difficult for some reason. I don't know. It's interesting. You know, it's a good book. I, ch- I check it out. I coached. I just recently quit, but I coached prep school and a pretty high level club. And I think you're totally right in this respect. Cause I was a collegiate player. Paul and I played uh, in Vermont together and oh, cool. what, yeah, yeah. He, Paul was really good. And what I thought every time I saw a player do something that I knew that I could do, I would get mad at myself and say, why can't you do this max? Like, I don't understand. I could easily do this as a player. Why is it so difficult for you to do that? And I would put my own shit on the players and my own expectations I would have for them. And it took me a while, years, to realize that every player is different. They process the game differently. And you can't put your own expectations on yourself as a player onto them because everybody has a little bit of a different style. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that. That explained it perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. So, so perfect. Well, <laughs> I feel like, I feel a- like Jezebel's going to write an article about my mansplaining or whatever that shit is. <laughs> oh, my God. Jezebel. Um, so, it's, it's the worst website in the world. All right. What do, yeah. what do you got, Paul? I was going to say it's a, it's a relatively new phenomenon. Uh, ex-coaches being you know finding success as managers and Frankie's really setting the bar as far as as um you know look at Barcelona now they're starting to look at Xavi as a as a head coaching candidate it's taken off in other leagues and big clubs Zidane you know Hmm. he's probably the most successful right Oh, yeah. yeah, but he's no kind question. of a fraud, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on. Go on. <laughs> well, or are you even looking like, you know, Henri? He is pretty awful manager, right? I mean, or at least you look at his record. It, it, but he was an amazing player. So it's just I feel like it's it's hard to find players who are successful managers. Hopefully Frank can, can do it, you know? Wait, wait, wait. Did you call Zidane a fraud? Yeah. <laughs> okay, go on, go on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need an explanation before we move forward. I, I just, I don't know. I think his success. He, I, I, I don't know. I'm just in the camp that I think Ronaldo carried them to their success, mm. but, and there he's been very, he's been very strategic in, you know, leaving his managerial positions when key players also leave, or he, he's smart. I mean, he's a smart guy when he, but he's, I don't know. I just, I think. He's not necessarily this brilliant manager. I think he's had brilliant players underneath him who have helped. But, I mean, he's successful. Obviously. He's had success, but it's just a personal opinion. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. When Ronaldo left, it didn't just damage Real Madrid. It damaged Spain. It damaged that mm-hmm. entire league. And anybody right. that doesn't like Ronaldo just because they like Messi is a fool. 
you should appreciate them both, but to not appreciate the gravitas that Ronaldo carries and the influence and the efficacy that he has on ratings and just on big games in general. If you don't, if you don't appreciate that, I have no time for you. Right. Right. I agree. Yeah. He's, he's a legend and people, people who don't even play or watch the sport know who he is. You know, he's, yeah. Yeah. He's bigger than the sport. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well said. Yeah. And even what I will say, Zidane, Zidane got gifted an absolute monster of a team. Right. But to be fair, he did something nobody has ever done, winning Champions League three times. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it takes somewhat of a coach and a great coach to do that. So I give him props for that. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, for sure. In a way, he, he's, you know, he's never taken a team, built it up, and won a, a a title with it. So I think that'll be his next uh, point to prove. Right. I agree. I agree. He Well, he did take the three years of work that Mourinho had put into it, and then he won the Champions League with all that work. <laughs> hey, right. we, we, are, we are a pro-Jose podcast, let me tell you. We love Mourinho. Okay. But we hate Spurs. <laughs> oh, my God. I, yeah, I love them, too. It's been very hard for me watching this season because I can't. I, ugh, wearing that purple, I just, oh. <laughs> it's not great. It. No. All right. But, so, I love, but I love him back in the in the Prem. That's, that's was, right. I missed him so much when he was gone. <laughs> it just wasn't the same. Right. Carlito, what's the color? The purple color. Mauve. Mauve. It's mauve. mauve. It's not purple. It's mauve. Mauve. I like it. They're the it's they're the mauve, mauve Avengers. What can I say? Oh, they are God. so lame. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna push on and skip on down to this uh, one of the last topics. We'll get into this. We'll get into uh, the last bit of transfer news, and then we'll call it a night because this has been excellent, and you've been a wonderful guest. Um, so my last thing would be Frankie must prioritize both Champions League and top four. Obviously, top four is number one. It's, you know, how when we didn't make it, we booked significant losses from last year. And it's been a big deal because Chelsea never books losses. And we did. It's kind of embarrassing because financially we are such a well-run club. But if you don't make top four, you take a significant hit in the pocketbook. And whose money is that? It's not... You know, some third party from Abu Dhabi's money. No, no, no. This is all Roman's money. So, you know, we got to do it for our wonderful owner. So making top four, huge deal. But I also think, and maybe this is me just being wildly optimistic, I think we have the type of team that is hard to play against when we're clicking. I mean, like, watch Liverpool play against us. They do not play well. So any team in Europe right now should be a little bit apprehensive when they play against us, I think we can go super deep into the UCL. I'm talking top four, or maybe even the final. Wow. I think I think we're a little bit of a dark horse. I, I I don't disagree with you at all, especially because we can match up with anybody's midfield. We yeah. can boss that midfield, and if you do that, you have a chance to win any game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's either going to be a wild success or a <laughs> terrible <laughs> failure. But but I think I think Bayern will be a good test for us cuz I think Bayern's kind of at the same they're 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 also just kind of so you know, who knows what's going what they're going to do and so it could be we could I, I I'm not I, I'm not scared. I think we have a chance of making it through. But I agree. I think top 4 should be the priority because that's mm-hmm. also just about attracting players and you know, it, it, there's so many reasons why we need to make Champions League again next year. Mm-hmm. I agree. Totally agree. By the way, Paulinho, little history lesson. Do you know where Dark Horse, the phrase, came from? Katy Perry. Mm. Wrong. <laughs> the, 18, the 1844 presidential, uh, Democratic presidential nominee, James Polk, he was called a Dark Horse candidate. He basically came out of left field, won the nomination. 
Uh, so that's where the phrase came from. Dark horse. Interesting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I do my best sometimes. Okay. Uh, so the last thing, we'll just do a quick little roundup of speculation. Isco has been the big name in the market right now. Isco. I actually think that this is a no-brainer. He's going to cost $47 million. If we sell Alonzo, Pedro, and Giroud, it'll pay for itself. Isco is a generational playmaker, and I still think his best days are ahead of him. He's 27, and I think Frankie can whip him into shape. Madrid has this tendency to feed their players a little too much paella. What's up, Eden Hazard? <laughs> oh boy, getting all fat and shit. The fat zard. The fat zard. So I think I think that Isco oh. would be incredible for Chelsea as an attacking mid. Mason Mount, I don't think he's ready to be our number ten. And Ruben, he won't be back till next year. Don't read any of the any of the headlines. I he know. is not I he agree. is not playing this year. So I don't I want think, him to. I want no, him to take his definitely. time exactly. and give yeah, no point. No, yeah. yeah, he he fully ruptured that Achilles like Kevin Durant. Durant's yeah. not playing this year, so he shouldn't either. But yeah, if we can get Isco forty-seven, hell yeah, he he would love playing for this team. He plays alongside his former teammate Kovacic. He gets to play with Conte. He gets to play with Jorginho, Pulisic, Tammy. All the guys are all great. He'd love it, and he'd be a leader on the team. Yeah, uh, next one, sure. Timo Werner, Jaden Sancho. Those guys, I think they're coming in the summer. There's this dark horse uh, candidate for center back, guy named Lewis Dunk. He's already 28. They want 50 for him. Brighton, Hove Albion wants 50. Hell no. I'm not doing that. Nah. No, no, thank you. Nah. And then Zaha, nah. who knows? Maybe back in it. <laughs> Over Kristen's dead body, Zaha's coming. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if he wasn't 80 million, if he was like – you know, 30, 35, I, that's a little bit better. But 80 million is just insane. For If he if he was 35 mil, he wouldn't be available. Yeah, Someone, someone would have already bought him. Okay, that's so we're going to move into final thoughts. You are our guest. What do you have for your final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, wow. Let's see. I, I think I'm – overall, I – have been really impressed by this team this year. My, my initial uh, prediction for us was finishing eighth. And that was with all doers. I was just, you know, I, I, I didn't think that wasn't me being negative. It was just realistic. I thought eighth would be a very safe place for, uh, not safe, but <laughs> a realistic place. But I, I'm mm-hmm. very happy with everyone. Tammy has blown. I, he's completely overachieved in my opinion. So I'm really, really happy with Tammy. Awesome. Really happy he's our striker. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's my thoughts. Love it. <laughs> Paul, Love what, it. Yeah. Paul, what do you got? All right. So coming up, um, basically, we have Newcastle this weekend. Then we have midweek Arsenal. Then we have FA Cup, fourth round. After that, February 1st, we go Leicester. We go Man United. We go Spurs, Bayern, and then Bournemouth, Everton, yada, yada, yada. Oof. Anyway, (laughs) Leicester, United, Spurs, Bayern. That's the season right there. That's everything. So we we (laughs) got to finish this month out strong. We got to get the boys informed. Frank's got to figure it out and be ready to go. And yeah. buy and buy Isco. Yeah, that's right. I wouldn't mind would another help. player. All right. So tomorrow, or my, so my final thoughts. It goes out to my favorite player in the history of the game, but someone I have an intense amount of animosity towards right now. His name is Zedin Michael Hazard. Okay. <laughs> so. In his recent comments where he admitted he was overweight coming out of the summer, he said he was unhappy playing for Chelsea under Italian coaches. He said that they were rigid and they were repetitive and that he did not have any pleasure playing for the team. And he wants to thank Real Madrid for rediscovering the pleasure of playing football. Shut the Fuck up. Yeah. When I <laughs> when I hear that, it justifies everything I've said about Hazard since he left the club. Everything. 
okay, that he was just as big of a snake as Courtois. He just did it with a Cheshire cat smile and some charisma. But what he really did was pull a veil over any naive Chelsea fan that didn't know any better, that couldn't see through the cracks in his bullshit facade, okay? He was behind the scenes trying to manufacture move for years. And in public, when he throws these backhanded compliments to Chelsea and its players, and when he does this sort of passive-aggressive digs to Chelsea in the media constantly, and then two weeks before he announces his departure from Chelsea, he's accepting Chelsea Player of the Year. Everybody's like, sign the contract, sign the contract. And he goes, do you have a pen? And then he laughs, right? He laughs at the crowd, and everybody's like, oh, shit. He's going to stay. Two weeks later, he says, fuck you very much. I'm going to Spain. Okay? I'm sorry, but how is that any different than what Courtois did? They were both on one year left on their deals, and they Alex Goldberg and all of his friends, they say, oh, Courtois is a snake. Courtois is a snake. And yet, they don't slate Hazard at all. Dude, he did the same thing Courtois did. The exact same thing. And this quote from him puts that to bed. I win the argument. Hazard Shame on you. You really disappointed me on this one, dude. I mean, just the fact that he keeps having the need to talk about Chelsea and his his last days, all this stuff. It's like, get over yourself, dude. Move on. How about you play well for your new team? This is the worst year of his career. And the best year of his career was under the Italian manager known as Mauricio Sarri. The best year of his career was last year. The worst year of his career is right now. That's right. I hope he's having fun. Yeah, really. Uh, I can't slander him. I can't. <laughs> I love him. He earned it. He has earned the right to say whatever he wants. I don't care. I just love him. He's just he's he he carried us through so much. I don't know. And I and I have to give him the benefit of the doubt and think that the reporters are they they want the, they want the story right. And Spanish the Spanish media is everything is a soap opera kind of right. I mean. I don't know. I get. I see your perspective. I do, but I don't know. So then, love for him is unconditional. The Belgian, I love you. The, I love you, Edith. So then it's also if you're listening. <laughs> he does. He does listen, doesn't he? Yes, <laughs> you're fucking right. He does. So I, I, guess, I love you. Edith. I guess the American media and the English media and the Belgian media are all equally as culpable as well. No, 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 no. This dude can't help himself. He just loves to talk shit. But the funny thing he is, does. he does it with a smile so people laugh. But what they don't realize is he actually means what he says. He's just trying to charm you into not being mad at him. It works. It worked for me. It didn't work <laughs> for me, lady. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. That's funny. Oh, no. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a good way to end it. You were an it incredible is. sport. I had a great time. I know, Paul, you had a great time, yeah. right? Thank you, Kristen. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, we had, we had your boy TJ on over the weekend. He was great. Such a good kid. Um, this he is been, a good kid. Yeah, I love TJ. He's great. He's going to be on again, for sure. All right. Hey, you it's are awesome. welcome back anytime, anytime. you want. Uh, this has been great. I am Ryan Beck. This has been the Londoners Calling Podcast. Uh, to anybody that's listening, hopefully we made your night just a little bit better. Eden, See you guys. Eden's listening. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Go on a diet, Hazard. Go on a diet. <laughs> All right. See you guys. <laughs>